If you remember, last summer, two tech titans were up in arms about, well, getting up in arms, outside of the office and in the octagon. Elon Musk challenged Mark Zuckerberg to an actual physical fight. And instead of saying, see you in the metaverse, the jujitsu champion actually seemed to welcome the challenge. This can't possibly have been in a CCO's crisis playbook. But as bizarre as it sounds, this has happened before. Not so long ago, the CEOs of two regional airlines rolled up their sleeves and chose to settle a dispute with an old-fashioned arm wrestling match. Southwest Airlines did this in 1992, when they were helmed by their eccentric co-founder, Herb Kelleher. In this episode, we turn back the clock to learn about this clash of industry titans and see what comms lessons we can draw from disputes that get physical. I'm Elliot Mizrahi, and this is The New CCO. Rivet360 has been working with Paige to bring you The New CCO for more than six years. And that goes way beyond just editing and production. They're true thought partners, helping us develop our show's unique voice and identity, brainstorm ideas, and tell, well, riveting stories. To me, that's what makes them and our show so special. They're storytellers, first and foremost. And as communicators, I know we can all appreciate the value of a story well told. So if you're thinking about launching a podcast, or you have one that needs some fresh ideas, visit rivet360.com to book a free consultation. Welcome to the special edition of As the Planes Turn. I'm Ed Stewart, the manager of public relations. And by now, you've probably heard of the Malice in Dallas, the most famous sporting event of all time. The champion, smoking, Herb Keller, chairman, CEO, president, and anything else he wants to be of Texas-based Southwest Airlines. The challenger, Kurt C. Kurt Herwald, chairman of South Carolina-based Stevens Aviation. The date, Friday, March 20th. The place, the Dallas Sportatorium. The time, 9 a.m. sharp. The title, just plain smart. Both companies claim it, one's gonna lose it. And our sleeves up, best two out of three arm wrestling match when Smoke and Herb Kelleher meets Curtsy Kurt Herwald in The Mouse in Dallas. That was a radio ad for perhaps the most interesting IP battle of the 20th century. Let's catch up with two Southwest Airlines employees who know this story better than anyone. I'm Whitney Eikinger. I'm the Senior Vice President of Culture and Communications here at Southwest Airlines. I'm Richard West, a corporate historian here at Southwest. What should we understand about Southwest and about Herb Kelleher in order to understand the rest of this story? I mean, I feel like we always talk about how we're different in the industry, how we're a maverick. You know, you hear about our roots and everyone loves to talk about our history. And I think what you know about us is we've always done things differently. We approach the industry and what we do for customers with a sense of humor and a level of caring. I think that has always allowed our customers to know we we get them. Uh, but we also like to have a really good time. I'd say we were a, a different animal all around, even from day one. When Southwest started, it was the era of people showing up to the airport, 
suit and ties. It was mainly business travelers. It wasn't like me with my family going to the trip to Disney World in 1971. <laughs> it was, uh, we, we came in to revolutionize the industry and weren't afraid to do things a little bit differently. What about Herb? Herb was an iconic leader. Uh, what are some of the ways that he was unique and, and the ways that that uniqueness made the airline unique? I think for me, Herb, I swear, one of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life and quick with a comment. He never forgot a name. You know, he, he kissed everyone on the mouth as a greeting, which was wonderful. Like, so it's just like a, he had a very strong personality, but he was also very serious about business. Humor sometimes I think is a definition of someone's intellect. And so that allowed him to approach a very highly regulated, difficult, complicated business with a level of humor, but with some shrewd business sense that made us a, the fierce competitor that we are today. The humanity that Herb brought to the role of CEO, he was somebody that could go over to our maintenance hangar at two in the morning and, uh, chat with those great folks over there doing the work and then at 7 a.m. be testifying in front of the Senate, prim and polished, not afraid to um, throw in a joke right at the right moment for that sense of humor, but also just immensely knowledgeable about what that topic is that he was about to address. So in some ways, Richard, I think what we're going to talk about today couldn't be more different than testifying before Congress. <laughs> um, tell me about what was going on in the airline industry and around Southwest in the early 90s, just as context for what will unfold? Well, the industry was certainly a lot bigger, but it was only you know just over a decade outside of the regulated environment. Uh, President Carter, he signed airline deregulation into law towards the tail end of his administration. And we were coming out of the 1980s when you saw a lot of these carriers that were almost kind of a Southwest light imitation come about. Your people expresses of the world and the lessons learned from that. Um, some of the giants had also just failed. So if you take a look at uh, Pan Am and Eastern, they were all defunct at that point. So it really was an industry that was going through a revolution in terms of these established legacy carriers. Even though we were 20 years old, we were still kind of a new entrant into this industry. Uh, we had something like 120 airplanes flying to only a, about 30 different destinations. And Southwest was just starting to uh, explore what the East Coast may look like, which was completely different than Southwest and our little uh, Texas airline flying 24 times a day between Dallas and Houston. So the time machine we're hopping into has taken us back to 1992. That was then, this is now. And something called the Malice in Dallas. Somebody's about to kiss the title goodbye. The team brought me this idea. I had I'd heard that phrase before, but I never knew what it referred to until now. So can you tell me what was the Malice in Dallas and what brought it about? So in late 1991, Southwest Airlines began or had been continued to be using a tagline called Just Plain Smart. We were flying primarily around the central part of the United States. We have some established service over in California, but the East Coast, particularly the Southeast, was something that was not on Southwest route map at the time. 
We learned that there was a company in South Carolina called Stevens Aviation that was also using that particular tagline, just plain smart. And so a conversation took place between Kurt Herwald and Herb Kelleher about who gets to use that. An executive from Stevens Aviation sent Herb a letter. The letter said, basically, we love your ad slogan, Herb. It's, it's great. Unfortunately, we had it first. Now, instead of suing you, let's settle this like men. Traditionally in business, when there's a dispute, particularly in the advertising realm or anything along those lines, the first place that folks may go would be a courthouse. But Southwest was not and is not a traditional business. When Kurt Harold reached out to Herb Kelleher, he proposed perhaps the most outlandish solution, an arm wrestling match. Herb, of course, being Herb says, you bet, and immediately went into training. I can't decide whether the lawyers in that case would be terrified or thrilled. <laughs> Probably a mix of both. <laughs> I feel like it's such a risk, but it was a fun way to handle it. And I know the resulting event that we'll talk about really got more attention, I think, for both sides of the coin um, or both sides of the fight, I guess, if you will, because it was um, so unique and just a blast and to be able to talk about their training or lack thereof. I think we were able to highlight some of the really fun personality traits on both sides of the, I guess you'd say argument, but you could say dispute because it was really very friendly. So Whitney, as the CCO, let me ask you, if, if you were in that seat at the time and your boss came in and told the story Richard just told and said, I think I'm going to arm wrestle over it. What would your CCO brain be telling you? <laughs> well, I think the first thing is what we just talked about. Who's going to go to legal? <laughs> but I think for our brand personality, even today, it would be very, very fun. I think there's a, a several more societal factors that we would take into consideration when maybe going through some of the training. Um, but I think it was all in good fun. It was all, you know, just a humorous way to deal with an issue. And I think what we look at when we make decisions for the brand is to make sure that whatever we're doing, maybe with a public event, on social media, anything that we're deciding to support, that's going through who we are as a brand. So a brand filter, brand principles, all of those types of things, is it something that we should do? And I think, I don't know if Richard agrees, I feel like this one would still stand out really strongly as something we would love to convince the organization to do. This is 30 years ago and business itself has changed a lot in 30 years. I think some would look at this story and say, man, I, I just can't imagine this happening today. It seems like it might just be this relic of that time in business. Richard, what do you think? Is, is is that the case? Or, you know, if Herb was around and this dispute came up, do you think something like this could happen again in today's corporate environment? I'd say there's certainly a chance. Uh, Herb always looked for a creative way around whatever the challenge was. Uh, there was a very restrictive law that Southwest had to contend with for a quarter century called the Right Amendment. There were challengers that came about very early on in our history and every single challenge that faced him, he, with the support of our employees and our company leadership, found a way around it. I'd say one thing that's really different today, obviously, we're talking about an era that was before social media and so forth. So I've always kind of wondered uh, what Herb's approach would be in an environment with that dynamic. 
Richard, do you know anything about who came up with Malice in Dallas and what it means? My understanding is the Malice in Dallas uh, actual name for it was the advent of a gentleman by the name of Tim McClure, who was with our advertising agency, GSDNM, down in Austin. They became our agency of record in 1982, the same year that Herb became permanent CEO uh, and president for Southwest. And GSDNM and Southwest were very closely connected. And still today, they still do a lot of our uh, advertising work and so forth. But uh, Tim, in particular, when you look back at some of those archival videos and photos, you'll actually see him standing right over Herb's shoulder. Looking back on it now, you know, it's I, I think some communicators might put themselves in these shoes and say this this could easily be some kind of crisis. My CEO wants to do something crazy. Uh, and it sounds like from what you're saying, that wasn't the case. And, and it feels really connected to the identity and culture of Southwest. Was this still a crisis, do you think, at the time? Or was it then what it looks like now, which was this opportunity to express something cool about who we are and who Herb is? Just what do you think the mindset was when this idea was being formulated and carried out at the time? I feel like it was an opportunity and it came our way. And we, to me, then and now are sometimes the only company I think that would say yes. So you just think that our leadership would think, well, that's fun. And they, we, we really work in an environment here where our top leadership trusts what we're suggesting from the communication side of the house. So I think we've We've had, you know, um, more than 50 years of um, being in existence. And when you look at when we do bring an opportunity like this to like our now CEO, Bob Jordan, um, I think that he would definitely see the upside because I think that we, a lot of the leadership here, of course, has been in place for a long time. They've come up through the company. I think that we love when we can have these opportunities to shine is something that's unique. I think we're able to convince internally um, and weigh the risks smartly and strategically before we go forward. I'd agree. We've got a great leadership team in place today, just like we did in 1992, that I'm sure looked at it from a lot of different angles. But I really feel like the genius in Herb Kelleher was the ability to look at it and see what good could come out of it and what that path forward might look like. So so what was the path forward? So Herb comes back, says, I'm going to arm wrestle this guy. What, what wheels did that put in motion? My view is that the next thing that they looked at is how can we make an event out of this? Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing we really love at Southwest is how we can celebrate and how we can introduce our personalities and humor into things. So... The next thing they did was actually go out and look for a venue, and they found this really great little, uh, I don't know how to better better describe it now, but uh, wrestling venue in downtown Dallas. It uh, doesn't exist today, but it's called the Dallas Sportsatorium, where you know they had probably been filming some you know regional wrestling matches uh, throughout the, the 70s and 80s there. Like you have to go to a place called the Sportsatorium. You can't beat a name like that. <laughs> No, by, by all means, we had to find the, the best place to do it. And uh, there wasn't a detail that was missed in terms of having some really rowdy fans, you know, at uh, 9 a.m. On, on a weekday morning. But uh, people came pumped with their game faces on. 
I just Googled Dallas Sportsatorium, and it's exactly what you're imagining. (laughs) I know. The third picture has a big Elvis impersonator outside doing like a karate chop move. I feel like that's... That's what I expect when I get there. It really is. I I would not be surprised by that at all. And that picture might have actually been taken the morning of the event for all we (laughs) need. Why Dallas? Well, Dallas is our home, and so I feel like it makes sense. Um, It's our, it was, you know, we'd made, there's so much work that, like Richard was mentioning, that went in even to the beginning of Southwest Airlines and our home here at Love Field and all the ties that we have. And, uh, you know, you see the flight attendants were there because they were in a training class like Richard just shared with us, um, which was amazing to have all of that employee base here. We also, of course, knew it being our home, we're going to have a lot of media interest. You can't miss this. You know, Herb is a celebrity CEO in the business world. And now, of course, making that leap into his first um, entree into the sports world is really, really funny. So I feel like it made the most sense for us. Um, also, that catchy name, you can't beat it. And Southwest wouldn't actually be in South Carolina for another 19 years. So <laughs> well rooted here in Dallas. But you know, if you think about 1992, um, Southwest was, you know, just about to get into Baltimore, which would have been our first destination, uh, particularly on the East Coast. So, so we know who's in one ring. Herb is in one corner of the ring. Who is the gentleman on the other side? So Kurt Herwald, the president of Stevens Aviation, they were a company that uh, were at the Greensville Airport that um, it's called an FBO or fixed base operator. They did things like provide um, charter and, or maintenance service to small, perhaps corporate aircraft, fuel and things like that. But, uh, you know, it certainly still was in our industry, but a little bit different, not scheduled airline service like Southwest, um, but a business leader nonetheless. So the team sets out, they find a venue. They also had to find, obviously, um, the right ambiance for it. So some employees um, that might have been pilots, flight attendants, uh, employees here in our corporate headquarters building, they were the ones that were the enthusiastic audience that would be part of the show. And there was also quite a bit of promotion in advance. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was a training video that was produced uh, by our partners at GSD&M down in Austin that featured uh, Herb actually doing uh, training as well as Kurt. So you'd see Kurt in the gym, you know, pumping iron, getting ready. Uh, he was a guy that was perhaps in his late thirties. Herb Kelleher was, uh, gosh, I imagine he might've just turned 60 or somewhere around there. The challenger is a burly 38 year old former bodybuilder who reportedly can bench press a King Air turbojet. Kelleher's camp reports he's been undergoing a rather unorthodox training regimen. Herwald's camp has been disarmingly quiet. Herb, uh, he was also doing a little bit of training, but he was uh, lifting some fifths of uh, wild turkey bottles with handles on them while smoking and so forth. Or trying to do a single uh, sit-up while he was accompanied by a uh, what ended up being a class of new hire flight attendants their second day on the job. It's been rumored that Kelleher can bench press a quart of wild turkey and five packs of cigarettes a day. So he's getting into shape. The staff is putting together an event. And when he's up against the ropes, smoke and herb has even been known to beg, plead, whine, and sob piteously. And there's tickets sold for this? Are they are they selling it to the public? 
change. I don't believe it was sold to the public, but we had uh, no problem finding some enthusiastic employees here, um, both locally in Dallas as well as from some of the other destinations that we served who would gladly uh, show up and, and be at the event. Uh, we had people that uh, gathered here in the lobby of our headquarters building and carpooled and took buses over to uh, fill the stadium. Admission is free. Seating is limited. Some restrictions may apply. A stitch in time saves nine. Close cover before striking. Some assembly required. So I, I can tell already that there'd be some benefit to Southwest and Stevens. There'd be some visibility and it's fun. It's good for the brand. But I think it's also interesting that you took special care to try to create value for other people as well. Uh, can you talk about how you did that? So obviously to go to court, it would have been uh, hundreds of thousands, if not more dollars just to file and then litigate something like that over the years. But at the end of the uh, best two out of three arm wrestling contest, the decision was made um, that both organizations would share the tagline and the money that would have been invested in the court fees. Um, both Southwest and Stevens made a charitable donation to each other organization's favorite cause, which for Southwest was the Ronald McDonald House. And the, the money was went to much better use um, to those charitable organizations than it would perhaps just to fill the coffers of a law firm. Well, and I think too, Richard, like you think about what we focus on now, Elliot, which is, you know, our employee experience and really, you know, the thousands that we've hired over the last few years and being able to keep them really bound to our brand and get bonded with Southwest early on. I think this would be a tremendous example with Richard talking about your second day in a new hire flight attendant class you know, you, you could probably work some places and never see the CEO. And the second day of your training, you're invited to go to an event uh, to see him smoke and arm wrestle and probably participate in some sort of video where he's training at some point. So I think for, especially for those new hires, you know, this was you know, a long time ago, obviously, but thinking about that new hire experience and the way to get your employees really involved Richard and I will never forget this. Hundreds of people here will never forget this at Southwest. But for those people on that first day, you're so impressed that you work for a company that has a sense of humor and thought to include you to make this even more special that you don't lose that impression ever in your career. So take us, let's, let's go to the day now. That date, Friday, March 20th. The place that Dallas And tell me how the day unfolds. What happens? So early that morning, uh, employees, including uh, Herb Kelleher, gathered uh, here at our corporate headquarters for a big send-off. There was almost a little pep rally event as folks lined up to get onto the buses to ride over to the Dallas Sportsatorium. And then uh, for the big arrival, actually, over at the event, we had, uh, at the time, he was a director of our cargo products. Um, he retired as a vice president a few years ago of our cargo and charters department. He became the ring announcer. And so he has a great story about the night before he went to the Walmart by his house and ended up getting what he calls this Bart Simpson wig uh, that he was wearing. And it was all the song and dance and showmanship that you'd expect of a big WWF wrestling match at the time. So how does this thing get kicked off? There was a pretty wild intro. Um, everyone had a name. I think Herb was Smokin' Herb Kelleher. Down on the 
Herb came out, you know, he had on, um, you know, quite the outfit. It was rocky music and so forth. And obviously the, the table was a little bit slanted in the cell. I mean, then Curtsy Kurt uh, was introduced. I think uh, Kurt came out uh, obviously with our home and uh, a little bit bigger of an audience here in Dallas than what he may have had if the event was over in South Carolina. So. It was quite a bit of humor, um, you know, it was all in, in jest and so forth. But, you know, if you think about the most heated sports teams and the big rivalries and so forth, uh, when you go into a, you know, a stadium of a big rivalry and the, the boos and the hissing and so forth, I think uh, Kurt probably heard quite a bit of that. Concentrate, gentlemen. Your future is at stake here. There was a recliner that was set up in the rink for Herb to rest in, and then Kurt had a little um, stool that you might see in a boxing match and so forth, and underneath it was a, uh, a, a dummy, kind of like you'd see in a, um, a cartoon set of dynamite, just as a joke, um, that was there. So uh, it was, the, on the showmanship side, obviously, there was a lot of antics and so forth that were done just to set the mood for the uh, event. Was there a press box? Did you have media covering this event? We certainly did. Uh, you know, the Dallas Morning News, they've covered Southwest for many years in print, but this was actually one of those times where Southwest got some national attention out of it. So Keith Morrison, you know, of course you hear his voice come on Dateline today and you know, oh, wonder what happened here. Uh, he was a reporter for NBC News at the time and it actually made uh, Tom Brokaw's national news that night. And this is NBC Nightly News with Tom Brokaw. If you think about, uh, you know, we were pretty well known here in the Midwest, perhaps on the West Coast. I imagine a lot of those folks that were hearing this national news story about some little airline over in Texas, that was news and the, maybe their first exposure to Southwest Airlines. It seems that nothing in America can be resolved without a lawsuit, even the smallest differences, a long trial, expensive lawyers, crazy settlements. Well, tonight, a refreshing change. And how do you think Stevens felt when Southwest Airlines, seventh biggest in the country and the most profitable, put this on the air? Southwest Airlines, just plain smart. Any fool could see what was coming. Of course, the normal thing to do would be call the lawyers, go to court, litigate. But then these people are hardly normal. We don't really believe in litigation. Besides that, what fun would that have been? 700 waving pom-poms and the wildest company rally you ever saw. The contest was actually um, two out of three. So um, there actually wasn't just uh, Herb and Kurt the whole time. Herb, of course, reached out to some um, other folks that could uh, pinch it for him. I have an order here uh, from the Supreme Court of the state of Texas. Uh, by Justice John Corden. And it's here. It says order of name substitution. 
table this day before the Honorable John Corden, Justice of the Supreme Court of Texas, the piteous pleas of Herbert T. Kelleher of Dallas County, Texas, herein referred to as Herb. And he actually found a uh, national arm wrestling champion from a few years before that went in for one round. J.R. Jones, if you're wondering, is the former Texas arm wrestling champion. Woo! I'd say that's quite a coup for Kelleher. Quite a coup. Um, that was the round that Herb won when he had a, a friend basically sit in for him. <laughs> Um, there was a few other things where we brought in some, you know, other well-known wrestlers of the time for the second round. The third one, uh, we'll call it the the honest belt. We're ready for round three. All right, this is the tiebreaker. The outcome of round three will determine who keeps the ad slogan, plain smart or just plain smart. Concentrate, gentlemen. Your future is at stake here. The two actually did uh, lock arms there. All right, referee, round three, folks. Elbows in the cups. was actually Kurt that was victorious. Kurt Hemwald has just won the match! Third round of the match! We heard some folks actually the other day when uh, we were looking at the video again point out that uh, Kurt's elbow was not completely on the table the whole time. So, you know, we may actually have to have... Oh, no! Scandal! <laughs> but... After that uh, third bout, uh, two had gone to Stephen's side and one to Southwest. So there weren't teams of lawyers contesting the outcome of the arm wrestling match. There wasn't in 1992, but who knows today, you know, we, we didn't have the photo finish or the instantaneous replay and so forth. But I'm sure today, you know, it would have been that immediate scrutiny of, uh, you know, some of those finer details. Of course, Southwest Herb knew he would lose, just as he knew Stevens Kurt would say. We've decided to allow Southwest Airlines to continue the use of our slogan. And then they donated $15,000 to charities. The lawyers didn't get a dime, I'm most happy to say. And Herb, who thought of everything, had a stretcher ready to carry him away. And a ready estimate on what all this fund saved in litigation fees. $450,000, $500,000. Not to mention all this free publicity. What was that slogan? Just plain smart? That's amazing. Tell me what role moments like this played in the history of Southwest in general just in your opinion? In my view, it is one of those things, even today, uh, when we have our new employees come in for their onboarding experience, that same video that I mentioned of Keith Morrison, it's something that they're still seeing in terms of this really iconic moment that if you think about a modern generation, kind of, you know, like Whitney mentioned a moment ago, what they're 
perceptions may be of, you know, a really big company or an airline in general, when you see something like that, that, that has to be just an eye-opening moment for, you know, this company that I'm with. They're not afraid to do things a little bit differently. Whitney, I, I want to, this being a CCO podcast, I, I want to kind of get in your brain on that a little bit. So um, what, like, how do you deal with requests from leadership that might be a little bit unorthodox? Like, how do you stay open to those possibilities? And what kinds of advice might you give to fellow members in terms of being open to those sorts of opportunities that might not seem obvious or might seem a little bit risky? I think that, you know, Malice and Dallas is a good example of this matched our brand. This matched our leader's personality. It wasn't that we were taking someone who doesn't have Herb's personality and putting him in this situation. I think what you have to weigh is what makes sense for our company? Who are we as a brand? Then what makes sense for our company? And then what could our leadership do? And you make sure you're taking a calculated risk, but still a risk that could result in fun and great benefit for the brand. So, you, of course, you talk about, you know, we joked about legal earlier. Any of these situations then and now would have so many, um, you know, different hoops we needed to jump through. But I think that's where you can't just wear out. And if you're a brand like ours, you still want to stay your sparkly selves. And so how do you do that in today's environment? So I think it's take about making sure a you've got the trust of your leadership and they know when you bring something to them that does sound a little bit off the beaten path they know you've weighed that before coming to your top leadership to say we wouldn't put our ceo in this position unless we knew it was something um that was very very positive so i think we're you know we have really open discussions at all levels of leadership here at southwest i think that we try not to do anything that doesn't match with who we are as a brand. And I think anything that highlights how we're different from our competitors and different in the business industry is something that's really near and dear to our heart. So there you have it. A story of two men, one tagline, and a spectacle that onlookers will never forget. But maybe more importantly, it's the story of two brands willing to break the status quo to be true to themselves. Two companies that decided to approach a conflict with good faith and good humor to settle a dispute in a way that benefited a whole range of stakeholders. I don't care what you say, just mention my name. Just mention my name. <laughs> Stevens Aviation will now allow Southwestern music. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked it, leave us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. And also be sure to subscribe. That way, you'll get a notification every time we drop a new episode. Special thanks to Rivet360, our podcast partner. Without their support, we simply could not bring you this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the new CCO.